Hi, I'm Jade Hernandez, a camouflage tattoo artist and educator. I help beauty bosses effectively market their business and become the authority in their field, close more leads and make more money. In the past six years, I've launched two successful beauty businesses to multiple six figures with over a hundred five-star raving reviews and several media press spotlights. While most marketers will tell you to hustle and work harder for success, I'll show you how to create more value from the inside out so that you work less, make more, and truly expand and transform your business and life. This is the Beauty Expanded Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. In today's episode, I have a very special guest for you. Her name is Andrea Sager, and she's an attorney and a book author of Legalpreneur.com. And in this episode, she gives us a really great overview of all the things that we need to be considering when it comes to consent forms, NDAs, which are non-disclosures, non-solicitations. We address what happens if you end up getting sued or even how to handle chargebacks. All the things that you are going to probably face the longer that you're in business and how to best protect yourself and be proactive when those situations arise. Aside from that, one of the things that really drew me to Andrea is her personality. I don't know if you've had a lot of experience working and dealing with lawyers, hopefully not right in a negative way, but lawyers can seem very intimidating. They can kind of seem a bit cold, standoffish, and they're definitely not cheap. One of the things that really drew me to Andrea was how personable and approachable she was. And the way that she explains the law is like talking to a girlfriend. I really love how she breaks things down in an easy, digestible way so that you hopefully leave this episode feeling less intimidated and more empowered on what the next steps need to be for you to better protect yourself. She'll dig into all about her company, which offers a monthly membership. Think of it as a way to retain a lawyer for one quarter of the price. And then what also is very interesting about Andrea is that she has a passion and a niche when it comes to helping small business owners. Before she got into law, she was an entrepreneur herself who owned a small business. And so she can easily relate to the challenges that you're probably facing as your business grows. She also has a podcast called Legalpreneur, and all of her information, including her Instagram, can be found in the show notes. If you do find this episode valuable in any way, I would really like to ask that you give her a follow and send her a message. Let her know what you got out of the episode. I'm sure she would greatly appreciate it. And I just love supporting people who freely give so much value and support to small business owners such as ourselves. So without further ado, let's dig in. One of the things that I find so unique about you is that you're also an entrepreneur and an attorney. For me, especially being a small business owner, I just feel like you are able to offer a unique insight and perspective because you're also growing your own business and you are more familiar with what it feels like to be an entrepreneur and to navigate that legally. How did that come about? So were you working for a corporate law firm and then you just branched out? What what inspired you to make that move? Well, I actually 
I had my first small business that I started when I was in law school. Not that I wasn't busy enough, but I was poor. So I graduated college. And when I was in college, I actually made good money. I was an ROTC and I actually commissioned as an officer in the army. And I just, I worked. So I actually made a lot of money in college, but when you go to law school, you can't work. And so I was poor and I was like, I'm not used to being this poor college student life. So I started my own business in law school. I started selling on Poshmark and then grew, branched out, created my own website, even grew it to a brick and mortar store. And then that's when I got the big firm job out of college or out of law school. And I thought I was set for life and realized very quickly that I did not want to be a big law attorney. And I also didn't want to own a clothing boutique for the rest of my life. And so I had sold the clothing boutique and then I was just miserable at the law firm. But I had so many other small business owners that I knew and connected with and essentially created a network with when I had that first business. And that's really what transpired and helped me open my eyes to, hey, I don't think you're going to enjoy working with big businesses for the rest of your life. It's really working with these small businesses and helping them navigate their business issues. That's what really lit me up and what I wanted to continue doing. So luckily, I was able to continue doing that eventually. And then the name of your company is? So I started my law firm, Andrea Sager Law. But in the law firm, I started the Legalpreneur membership. And then at the end of 2021, I realized, hey, this Legalpreneur thing is pretty cool. Like, let's make it its own brand and its own company. So at the end of 2021, early 2022, we created just Legalpreneur, the company. And so that's what we've been building out for the past year and a half. I love it. And you're also a book author. So you can just share a little bit more about your book. Yeah. So, <laughs> so much has happened over the past couple of years. But finally, I am able to release Legalpreneur, the business owner's guide to legally protecting your business. It was something that was on my heart for a long time to write a book, but for a long time, I was actually in my own way, which I think a lot of us are a lot of the time. And I kept thinking, nobody's going to want to read this legal book or how to legally protect their business. And finally, it was just like so burning on my heart that I was like, I don't care who reads it. I want to get it out there in the world for me. And honestly, for the pre-order, the pre-sales, such good feedback. And I'm like, yeah, this is absolutely something that was needed. I love that. And I can relate. I have friends who are lawyers and I've also dealt with lawyers. And the legal jargon is like a second language if you're not familiar. <laughs> so I will literally ask my girlfriend, can you just run this down and make it as easy as possible for me to understand? Or at least let me know if there's anything that I really need to know if you could just, you know, rephrase it for me. I love that. And so I really wanted to dig in because, you know, I'm in the beauty business. A lot of us are small business owners. A lot of us are entrepreneurs. Oftentimes, at least for the students that I train, this is their first time stepping out of corporate America and starting something of their own. Obviously, it can be very intimidating. And one of the things that I like about the legalpreneur membership that you have is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that you can join this membership and also be able to look at templates, like contract templates. Can you share a little bit more information about what the membership entails? 
Yeah. So the membership basically gets you all access to your own attorney. You get unlimited emails, a phone call every month, document review. You get all of our contract templates. Outside of the membership, you can buy a contract bundle, which is basically split up into different niches. So if you're in makeup, if you're a photographer, if you're a clothing boutique owner, we have a different bundle of contracts for every niche. And what's really helpful is, hey, you can get just the contract templates. But when you're a business owner that constantly has these questions and you don't want to get charged by the hour to go talk to an attorney, that's where the membership comes in. I like to say we're a partner to grow with you because as you're, even as you're starting, as you're growing, as you're scaling, there's always questions. And most of the time you might, number one, never get it answered. You'll just forget about it and hope that nothing bad ever happens. And then number two, you may go down a Google rabbit hole to find the answer yourself, but oftentimes you'll walk away more confused than when you started that Google rabbit hole. So the membership is there to just be your partner in crime to grow and scale. And it's giving you all those benefits. Unlimited emails, a phone call, document review, all those contract templates. And so really especially for our beauty businesses, a lot of times it's, hey, this customer was mad about this. What disclaimers do I need to have? What paperwork do I need to have clients sign? You know, this contractor, she signed this non-solicitation clause she's leaving and she's trying to take customers. What do I, like, that's all the things that we cover in the membership. I love that. And so is this live support? Yes. Okay. That's so valuable. So you're not just like talking to a screen and hoping to get an email a couple days later. That's huge because usually when you are talking to a lawyer, I mean, in a perfect world, we try to be proactive. But like you said, anytime you grow a business, the more clients that you serve, it is a numbers game. There are going to be disgruntled clients. There's going to be new situations that you're going to face. And so to have that live support right then and there can be so valuable. I love that. Okay, so I had a question about the contracts. If you can help clarify this for me. So I definitely have noticed this trend with a lot of attorneys where they're kind of going a little bit more virtual and they're having these memberships that they're offering your services that they're offering. Now, my question is, is that I'm in Arizona and then there are some people who are in Nevada or California and every state has their own regulations and laws and tattooing in general is oftentimes not very regulated. So I was wondering with these contract templates, how does that work? Like, is it a one size fits all? And then if worst case scenario, it ends up being something in court. How does that work if you're in a state and yet, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, solid is this contract. So for other attorneys, a lot and where how I started in my law firm, I, I can sell the contract templates to anybody because they're not being sold through my law firm. It's from a separate company. Now, where Legalpreneur now differs is we do have attorneys that can serve all 50 states. So that was part of the reason of taking the membership out of the law firm into Legalpreneur, the company, because we wanted to be able to grow and scale and be just beyond me. Now I tell clients, look, if you want just the contract templates, what we put in the contracts are best practices. You may have certain specifications that you want that are different than best practices. It's just what I personally have seen in the industries as being best practices. And then you may have, so it's impossible to draft it specifically for all 50 states. And the thing with most business laws, they're not that different across the states. Now, consumer laws are very different across the states. 
business laws, they're not that different. So a lot of times there's not going to be many differences in the contracts. However, tattooing specifically, or if it is a highly regulated industry or niche, there may be specifics that you covered in those contracts. And then if you're in the membership, what's really beneficial is we have attorneys that can serve all 50 states. And how the membership typically works with the contracts is you go find the contracts that you need, add your information, and then your attorney will review it for you. And that's when you can discuss all of the specifics for the contracts that you may want to change or add or take away. That's all included in the membership. Uh, any additional services, if you're like, hey, I just want this custom contract drafted for me, that is an additional service, but you do get a 15% discount on anything else that you need. So even if you were to just find a random attorney, like you'll be paying them full price. Our attorneys, you still get a 15% discount if it's not already included in the membership. Okay, got it. And then when you said business practices versus consumer laws, what are the major differences between business versus consumer? So one of the biggest differences in the laws between consumer laws and business laws that I see come up are renewals. So let's say you have a membership or a subscription or something that auto renews. As a consumer, let's say we had a subscription for food subscription. I don't know, that's just going to me. There are certain laws about notifications for each state a certain amount of time where you have to give them to refund them, even if they already paid for it. There's so many things with consumers as far as subscriptions that you have to abide by as a business owner. Okay. And it's B2B, business to business, most of those don't apply. Got it. And then when you stepped into the permanent makeup world slash tattooing, were you surprised that it isn't very regulated? Is that a is that a bad thing, a good thing? Like, what were your initial thoughts? So my initial thoughts on permanent makeup, it's not as much as like business coaching in general, because that is something that I think needs to be more regulated is business coaching or like therapy slash coaches, because therapists are getting away with essentially providing therapy, but wording it as coaching. But for as far as like permanent makeup, and because, I mean, obviously, there are licenses for, you know, estheticians and other professions. But as far as tattooing specifically, it's not so much of a surprise as much as how wrong does something have to go before it's regulated? So, like, how many people have to complain? How many people are going to have to go to like the state attorney generals for the states to start enacting laws around tattooing or permanent makeup? Because that's what has to happen is people have to complain enough before the states, before the politicians realize, okay, there's a problem here. We have to rectify it and we have to put it into the law. Okay. So that brings me to the question of, let's say you're a new artist starting out. You just did a training. You're going to start working on clients. I would say, you know, they're getting involved with some sort of insurance company to better protect themselves. What are the non-negotiables as an attorney that you would say that they need to get prepped for and start preparing legally? Yeah. So number one, even before drafting the contract, you need to make sure you have an LLC, an entity. Because I know some tattoo artists, I don't want to say a lot, but I know some are estheticians. Some states view an esthetician as a professional. So you have to have a professional LLC. I know California, you have to have a professional corporation. And so you have to make sure you have the right entity. But at the very least, 
you want to have that entity to protect you personally. That's going to protect your personal liability. So always have at least an LLC or what your state requires for your license if you have one. The LLC, it's just, it's a limited liability company. And that's what it does. It protects you personally from liability. It protects you from the debts of your company. That, is this something that your membership helps them with to kind of set the pregame? Yeah. So basically in the membership, the first thing clients do when they come in is we do a business audit for them. So we audit everything in your business, figure out, okay, do you have the right entity? Are you using the right contracts? What intellectual property do you have that we need to protect? So we're basically taking an overall look at your business and telling you, okay, this is what you have. This is what you need. And the first thing that we always look for is your entity, because that's really the easiest way to get personal protection for the lowest cost. And even if you're not in the membership, it's something we can still do for you, which is an additional service outside of the membership. So the entity, like I said, LLC, and then when you start drafting those contracts, once you have that LLC, you always want to make sure in the contract, it's not you as an individual, it is your business that's a party to the contract. So even if you're the sole owner, the sole operator of your business, you're just the owner of the business. You're not the party to the contract. When you actually sign, you'll physically sign your name, but it is on behalf of the company. So that's always one that throws people off, especially if they start as a sole proprietor and then they do get an LLC. They always forget to change their contracts. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then what would you say would be the second biggest thing? Disclaimers and consents. You always want to make sure, not that it's too dangerous what you're doing, but if something were to happen, what if they are... I don't know the medical term for it, but if they pass out when they see blood, do you have the right to call 911? What can you do as as the provider? So you always want to make sure that you know exactly what to do if something like that were to happen. And one thing that I've seen a couple of people forget is emergency contacts, which I feel like I'm always writing emergency contacts, but don't forget to go find that. Go get that information. And disclaimers. So people always ask about disclaimers and there's not one blanket disclaimer for everything in the entire world. It's a matter of what are you wanting to disclaim? With your profession, people are going to assume you can get them this or you can get them these results. If you're not guaranteeing that, you always want to make sure you're disclaiming those results. So if you have before and after pictures, you always want to say, hey, these are prior results from clients. We cannot guarantee these results. Yes. So important. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, so whether you're an artist or if you are somebody that's a coach, I see this a lot with coaches is especially when they show testimonials, you always want to say, look, this is from prior results. We are not guaranteeing these results. Yes. Yes. I think that's really important to disclaim that you can't guarantee results. I also think it's really important to disclaim something along the line of this is not an exact science. This is an art, you know, because there really is no tried and true formula that's going to guarantee 100% results 100% of the time because everybody's so different, their genetics, their immunity, all that stuff. Are there any other disclaimers that you feel like people forget about or don't include? Well, one that also just popped into my head is even though it's permanent makeup, it's not always so permanent. 
and they may need refills. They may need to come back and just get touch-ups. And you want to always, always, always make sure you're very, very clear. Are those touch-ups included? Are those refills included? Are you guaranteeing that this is going to last their entire lifetime? If not, you need to make sure they know that ahead of time and that they're aware, hey, if you need to come in for a refill or a touch-up, we have to charge you for that. It's not included. That's one thing that can really get you in hot water, not because you mean to, not because you're trying to guarantee. You may just think, oh, it's assumed. Like, we know it's not going to last their entire lifetime. Like, that's obvious. It's not always obvious to everybody. And you want to make sure that you're not leading people to believe that it's going to be permanent and they're never going to have to pay another dime to get their eyebrows done or whatever they're getting done. What about chargebacks? Oh, my gosh. This is one of my favorite topics and least favorite things to have to deal with. So favorite topic to educate on, least favorite topic for anybody to have to deal with. Because we actually just literally throughout the past, we're in 2023 now, we've been in business since 2018. I've had two chargebacks and one just happened last month. Somebody actually fraudulently got the card. So chargebacks are not fun for anyone. Hopefully you're using a reputable credit card processor. And a chargeback happens when Somebody maybe steals a credit card and they use it. And then the original card holder like files a chargeback that, hey, this is all fraud. Sometimes what happens is there's buyer's remorse and they want to file a chargeback and say that they didn't get what they paid for or they maybe either they didn't get what they paid for or they did get it, but they just say, hey, I didn't get it or this was a fraudulent charge. Either way, the credit card company takes that money from you And if you have the right payment processor, you have an opportunity to fight that chargeback. So how do you fight it? Number one, hopefully you have a signed agreement. Every time somebody comes to your office, make sure they're signing something. Hey, they agree to get treated for this on this date, this price. That is number one thing that credit card companies will look for. Is there a signed agreement? Number two, if you have security camera footage, absolutely get those screenshots and submit them to your credit card company. Be like, hey, this is the person. Here's them in my office. Here is the treatment that they're getting. But of course, you do have to be careful with privacy laws. So you may not want to show them actually getting the treatment. And that reminds me of one thing in the initial client paperwork is let them know, hey, there are security cameras here. And if we need to provide footage to protect ourselves or the government requires it, you know, the authorities require it, we will provide that to them. That's really the main two things is having signatures and camera footage. Yeah. Because I know how expensive these procedures can be. And some people just want to try and get away with not paying when obviously they should. Yeah, no, I agree. So we actually have experienced some chargebacks as well in our company. Not a lot, but it does happen. And every time it does happen, it always allows me because I always try and see the blessing in everything. So I'm always like, okay, where do I need to shore up some details? And literally sometimes in the contracts, it is one sentence that needs to be a lot more clear and concise. Or even now the recent chargeback that we had, I literally now make it very, very clear that we cannot guarantee results at all. And so Again, this is why it's so important to have those disclaimers in place because you want proof that they were in, that you you do have a signature from them. And then we take before and after photos, more so for insurance as well. But that's a good point about we don't have any video surveillance cameras. But again, to just show that 
they did actually get service that they didn't send the contract and walk out like they actually got serviced by you. So having some proof of that. And usually, at least from my experience with the merchant processor is you're right, Andrea, that they will take the money from you and then they'll basically hold it. And they're just the third party present. So they just hold it. You dispute your case. Every merchant processor is different. So for ours, it's a 60 day process. So they have like up until two months to come up with a final decision. But until then, that money is held into a different account, but it is taken out of yours. So I just wanted to share that with everyone if they've never experienced that before. One of the things that I also love about your membership is oftentimes when you're a first time business owner, things get very expensive very quickly, right? You get a studio, your equipment, you've probably invested a few thousand dollars on your training. Then you got to market, build a website or whatever the case may be. And so the thought of hiring a lawyer can seem overwhelming and lawyers are not cheap. And so (laughs) also I love the fact that the legal industry is changing this and evolving it so that way it is more affordable. Can you just let us know real quick how much that membership is? Like, do you have different tiers of how that works? So right now we only have one tier. I will say we are working on a lower level tier for this coming year. Right now it is, it's either $249 or $349 a month. And everything I mentioned earlier, the unlimited emails, a phone call, document review, all access to your own attorney. It really is all access to your own attorney. The lower tier that I want to create is for those that aren't really ready for an attorney, but want and need all the legal education. Because a lot of times business owners make mistakes in business because they're not educated. And you don't have time to go to law school. You don't have time to pay an attorney or the money to pay an attorney to teach you everything you need to know in your business. So that's what the lower tier is going to be. It's going to be all of our really DIY resources that we have and teaching, doing more education around what you didn't know you needed to know about the legal side of business. Because honestly, a lot of times clients will come to us asking questions about maybe intellectual property, trademarks, and copyrights. And if they would have known, they would have been educated sooner about what exactly was a trademark or what exactly is trademark infringement, they would be spending less money way earlier if they would have done some work up front instead of waiting so long until there was an issue. And that's really why we have the membership in place is to put more of an emphasis on the proactive approach to legal. And that's why we're able to keep it so low cost. If you come to us and you're like, hey, I got this cease and desist letter or I just got sued, you're going to be spending more money than just what is covered in the membership. The membership is to put the protection around you. If there are issues, we can still help but just know it's going to cost more. So that's why we have the membership to hopefully avoid all those issues that tend to happen. Yes, yes, I agree. Speaking of intellectual property and trademarks, (laughs) I think in every business, but especially from my experience in the beauty business of permanent makeup, tattooing, there are so many copycats. And (laughs) even though they say, you know, that's the best form of flattery, It really doesn't feel that way because, you know, you put a lot of effort and intention into building up your brands, your name, whatever the case may be. And then for someone to kind of take an easy way out and just try and duplicate and replicate everything is not so fun. I also train. So we'll have students who will take a training and then immediately just start training. I just feel like there's a whole lack of integrity there. They'll take your manual, maybe change a couple of things, but there's a lot of that duplication process. How do you best protect yourself? For that. And then I always personally get confused with intellectual property versus trademarks. My company is called Studio Conceal. And then I'll see other people that will call themselves Conceal Inc. or, you know, and so it's like, where does that fine line 
Go. Yeah. So first, broad overview, intellectual property is patents, trademarks, and copyrights. That's the three that it covers. Patents are inventions, new inventions of things. That's not something I cover, but if you ever need a patent attorney, let me know. I can get you a referral. Trademarks and copyrights. That's my jam. Trademarks identify your branding. Anything in within your business that has a unique name, such as your brand name, a logo, a slogan, a product name, a service name, really all those unique names, that can be protected with a trademark. Your content or your creative work, that's a copyright. And the thing about copyrights, you actually have protection the moment the work is created. So copyrights can be your photos, your videos, your blog posts, this episode right here, this recording, your course is your manual, your website copy. So all of the creative work, that's protected with a copyright. Now, when you have a course, let's say you have a training course, just to throw out some examples, the name of the course can be protected with a trademark. The content inside of it, whether it's a manual, you have some videos, maybe you have some foot, all of that is protected with a copyright. And when it comes to trademarks, it's not just the same exact name that can be trademark infringement. It's anything similar enough to where consumers are likely to be confused. So my law firm was Andrea Sager Law. If there's an Andrew Seeger Law Firm or the Andrea Sager Law Firm and Associates, all that's trademark infringement because it's so similar that my clients are likely to be confused and think that it might be me. Now, on the other hand, if there's an Andrea Sager, the handbag company, that's not infringement because it's not likely that my clients would think that I have a handbag company. And that this is why there's Delta Airline and Delta, the kitchen bathroom sink faucet company. Same exact name, and they actually have similar logos, but they're in two completely different industries. So it's not likely that consumers will be confused as to who is who. They're not going to buy an airline ticket thinking that they're buying a kitchen sink faucet. Yeah. So it comes down to the similarity of the name plus the goods and services. How similar are both things combined? Now, when you have your training program, and this is one thing that I've been really trying to educate more educators on, those teaching others, is really turning it into a certification, which can bring passive income. Because number one, you teach them upfront first, you teach them the core material first, and then they're now a certified whatever. And then in order to continue being certified each year or every two years or however long you want it to be, they have to continue paying the fee. Perhaps you have continuing education. But part of the certification is, for example, let's say they pay $10,000 up front. You teach them everything they need to know. You provide them all your processes and procedures, basically a business in a box. And then they run off to their thing. And then if they want to continue using all those materials every year after that or every couple of years, they have to pay a continuing fee. So it all comes down to what's in the contract with you and your purchasers. If the contract says nothing, then it's not clear as to what material they can use and can't use and how long they can use it. And let's say you provide them with a manual for an example. Make sure you let them know, hey, you can't use this for your own purposes. Or if you want to pay this premium, Here's my manual for an example. And you can just take this and use this for your own purposes. 
Okay, got it. What if you come up with a unique mythology? It's like your own unique technique just through years of experience. People are paying you to learn your method, which Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, they should be able to use on their client. But can that be protected if they were to ever in the future train? Like they can't train on your specific method? So that's where it can be really tricky. So outright, it really can't be protected with intellectual property, but it can be a trade secret if it truly is confidential. So if you really do have a proprietary method and you want to teach others how to use it and you want to make sure they don't teach it, that's part of the contract is, hey, you're bound by this confidentiality. You can use this method for your own purposes, but you cannot go and teach it or tell anybody else about this method. So they're bound by confidentiality and it's only for their personal business use. They can't go and then teach the thing. So it all comes down to what's in the contract. And a lot of people don't realize how much they can limit others with the contract. And not that most people don't realize how much they can limit. Are you saying it from the perspective that you can actually limit a lot more than you think you can? Yeah. So a lot of people will, what they'll do is, okay, let's say you have a methodology of XYZ and all of these artists want to come and get trained for XYZ. And you go ahead and train them. But the contract doesn't necessarily say that they can't go and teach it. So they go and teach it. But if you were to limit it, then it comes to beg the next question of it's going to start this whole cycle of I'm teaching you to go perform this method. If you want to go teach this method, now you have to pay me this much more. And then they can pay you for them to go teach it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I should have done that with you a long time. <laughs> hey, now you know. Now you know. Well, that that is actually promising. Okay, what happens, worst case scenario, what happens if someone ends up suing? Let's say a disgruntled client and they end up suing. How does that process actually look like? Yeah. So it's going to vary widely. And it's really going to depend on where do they file? What are they filing for? And... Do you have insurance? And this is where insurance can come in handy big time. Typically, before somebody ever sues you, you're going to get a letter, whether it's a cease and desist letter or a demand letter. A cease and desist will say, hey, stop doing this. A demand letter is, hey, do this. And maybe if it's a disgruntled client that wants you to pay, refund them or do whatever, it's going to be a demand letter that says refund or pay me this. When you get that letter, if you ever get a letter, like that, always take it to your insurance company because that's what they're there for. They're just going to take care of it for you as long as it falls under the insurance, as long as you have the right insurance. And if it comes to a lawsuit, not only are they going to take care of it, but they're also going to pay for your defense. So they're going to pay an attorney to fight it for you. Like That's what the insurance is for. So always make sure you have insurance. Lawsuits suck, so you always want to avoid them as much as possible. But normally, I don't know if anybody listening has ever been sued, but it's very rare that you're going to get sued by a client. And most of the time when I have seen it happen, it's a frivolous lawsuit and this is not their first time to file a lawsuit. Or two, they have tried to work things out with you and you're not being reasonable in working it out with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because most of the time an attorney's not going to file a lawsuit unless they've tried to work it out with you. And you've just ghosted them or for whatever reason. Yeah. 
So it's very rare that a lawsuit actually does happen. But anytime you get a letter, don't ignore it and just take it to your insurance company. Okay, got it. And you have to also let your lawyer know. So if you have an attorney that you work with ongoing, send it to them. When clients come to me and they're like, hey, I just got the cease and desist letter. The first thing I ask is, do you have insurance? Because if so, you can either pay me to take care of it or you can go pay your insurance to see what they want to do. And you can let your insurance know. I gave this to my attorney. They told me to check with you. And this happened a couple of times is the insurance company will then come to me and they'll just pay me instead of going and getting their own attorney for it. So it's just kind of making it easier for the insurance company to already have a lawyer. Yeah, that makes sense. I am looking off to the side because I had all these questions for you. So I want to be sure that I get everything. Yeah, you're good. If I can just say like my biggest piece of advice, no matter what stage of business you're in, don't wait to get the legal stuff taken care of. And I'm not going to say, I I was going to say, don't wait to work with an attorney. You actually don't have to work with an attorney to get the legal stuff taken care of. You can do it yourself. Everything is figureoutable. I tell people that all the time. But if you're somebody that's like, look, I don't even want to try and figure this out on my own, like have the expert handle it, then work with an attorney. But just don't continue to put the legal stuff off until there's an issue. Because when you put that little bit of work up front, you spend a little bit of money to get protected. It's going to take you so far down the road. And if you wait to take care of the legal stuff until you get that letter, until an issue happens, you're going to spend 10 times, 100 times more money than if you would have just put that little bit of work up front. And I, I get it. I know it's so hard to see the return because you're not going to see a return immediately. Typically, you do not see an immediate return with the legal stuff. But down the road, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh. And you may never realize it. Sometimes, let's say you accidentally did something, you know, way back when and another company realizes it and they're like, oh, my gosh, let's go after them for this X, Y, Z, whatever. But then they look into you and they're like, oh, well, they're an LLC and they have no assets and they have this protection in place and that protection in place. And then it's like, okay, it's not even worth it to go after them. So we'll just let it go. You're never going to know about that situation because you have their protection in place and you never even hear from the other company. So there's all these little things that can happen that you never even know about because you are protected. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the biggest thing for me working with attorneys is there's no price on that peace of mind. Because I think you're absolutely right. If you're looking for the tangible, you kind of almost don't want to look at the tangible. Like that's when shit hits the fan, right? So you want to have everything in place so that you're not in that oh shit situation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just having that peace of mind. Is That is actually what I gain the most out of is more so the peace of mind. And I know when we started expanding the company and started hiring people, that was a whole nother set of contracts that we had to you know work yeah. on before we even hired our first independent contractor. Yeah. And so again, it's that peace of mind to just know that you're protecting the business and the entity. Mm-hmm. And I actually just did an Instagram post today where I was like, Company policies are not personal. It's so important to have those company policies in place, even if your future disgruntled client feels like it's a personal attack because so many of us are personal brands. We are the face of the company. We're not a huge corporation like Marriott. It's going to very much feel like to the unhappy client that you are attacking them or you're doing something wrong. And I think the legal stuff is part of that company policy that keeps it locked You shared so much information. I definitely think this gives everyone a starting point. I know that you're going to be a speaker at the Permanent Makeup United Conference with Sheila Yeah, Yes, the Permanent Makeup Conference. Yes. 
You're speaking in that in January or by the time the episode is live, like she is literally going to be a guest speaker this month. Is it virtual or is it in person? It's in person. It's in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. Awesome. Do you know what your topic is? Yeah. Talking about NDAs and contracts. Oh, huge. Huge. Is there anything that you you can share with us about NDAs? Use them, but make sure you're using them the right way. And as a blanket, don't use a non-compete. So a non-compete is normally what people want to use when they're hiring new employees. But most of the time, they're not enforceable. And what you're really wanting to protect against is them taking your actual confidential information, which is covered by the NDA, and taking your clients, which is covered by a non-solicitation clause. So those two are really the big things that you want to be covered with new employees or contractors instead of a non-compete. So that's really what you want to get out of your head is the term non-compete. They're just really not enforceable. They're very hard to enforce. But what is enforceable is the NDA or confidentiality agreement and then the non-solicitation. That's a huge tip. Thanks so much. All right, babe, how can they find you? How can they interact with you? Where are you online the most? Yeah, find us on TikTok and Instagram at The Legalpreneur on TikTok. For some reason, TikTok, I've had like two videos over the past couple of weeks that got over a million views. So TikTok is doing really well at The Legalpreneur. And then my personal Instagram is at Andrea Sager Law. Our website is thelegalpreneur.com. And officially, you can get Legalpreneur, the business owner's guide to legally protecting your business on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, hopefully everywhere else soon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And I will have that included in the show notes or in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. Otherwise, I just wanted to thank you again. And this has been extremely valuable for us. Thank you. Bye.